Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because we're getting to reconnect and continue the now annual tradition of top five scenes with the Black Widow scholar herself. We're delighted to welcome back TK from There Was an Idea back to the podcast. Welcome, TK. Welcome. Hi, <laughs> Trey and Jude. Thank you so much for having me back. And thank you for remembering my preferred title, Black Widow <laughs> Scholar, which I myself had forgotten about until listening to last year's episode again. And I, it was really a reminder that I need to bring that back into my life. So so thank you. And I'm really excited to uh, continue our tradition tonight. Yeah. Well, d- did it end up in your work email signature? You know, it it really should have at least, you know, on April Fool's Day or something. But you know what? It's not too late. (laughs) Maybe that'll be a goal for 2023. (laughs) There you go. So, you know, we were talking a bit before we started recording that it has not been since July of last year that we were able to get together for a podcast. So I think this question has never been more appropriate when we get to ask you, how was the 2022 year for you since we're going to be tackling the uh, top five scenes of the year? Um, how was the 2022 year for me in life? Or with Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) Or 2022, you know what? Let's start with your life. You know, I, I, um, I, I make the comment because it may be easier to talk about life than it would be about the year 2022 in Marvel, but, um, life has been good and busy and all of those things, but the year in Marvel is tricky. It's it's difficult to describe, and uh, which is why I was buying some time. Um, <laughs> it's you know I'll I'll, I'll be honest that twenty twenty two was uh, not my favorite year in the MCU, and it was coming off of the year that I had considered to be my my favorite, which was twenty twenty one. So it's an interesting continuation of. Phase four, um, which has had some of my favorite moments in all of MCU history. And there are threads that connect 2022 with the previous year that I do enjoy. And there are certainly some high points, and we'll talk about them tonight. Um, But I would say overall, it was a year that I I think, you know, maybe I, I let some of my expectations get the the better of me considering how much I really enjoyed 2021 and the kickoff of phase four and uh what you know thinking about the year in totality now it's it's not horrible or anything like that it's just to look at it okay there were some some solid entries and some that I think down the line will prove to be a little bit more forgettable or or just fine for what they were for for myself and thinking about um, what really resonates with me in the MCU, so that's that's kind of where I've landed. Um, but I'm curious to hear what you guys think now that we've had some time to to process all of it holistically. You know what I find it interesting. I agree with what you're saying, and something I think I mentioned with Trey just last week. I feel like Phase Four aside, because you, you know. That overlaps, like you said, a couple of years. I feel like in the 2021, the movies are stronger than 2022. But 
it's the flip for Disney Plus shows. 2022 had a stronger showing on Disney Plus with those shows versus 2021. And and so I, I also find that interesting in that it kind of still shows the prominence uh, that the films take. That it's like, oh, 2022 was down. But in my mind, with the Disney Plus shows, it was still like a, a lot of really good content. So that's something else I've been kind of thinking about, like what, I don't want to take primacy, maybe is the word, but it, it just seems like, you know, that's, that's kind of where it's going. You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because after last week's conversation, I, I've been having the exact same thoughts of like, oh, where am I putting the weighted value? Because if, if when we talked about this, my gut reaction is 2022 is a down year. But at the same time, I will also tell you that Disney Plus was the life pulse of the MCU. Like there were so many great and experimental and bold moves that were happening there that I didn't feel coming from the movies. And yet the movies overshadowed that enough for me to have that gut reaction. And at the same time, I, which, dude, I don't even think we've talked about this. I was uh, hanging out with Rob Logan in one of his streams, and he had shared his rankings of the films overall. And I, had mine and I had noticed the difference between mine and his was that my movie still ranked a little bit higher just as like an overall package. Like I, I still had Miss Marvel at the top, uh, she Hulk at the top, but then you started getting multiverse of madness over werewolf by night, uh, and so on and so forth. And so it is weird where the emotional reflex still leans towards the movies for me. And so that conversation and now hearing you speak as well, Tara, has really been having me examine that. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And I'm, I'm glad that you just mentioned Werewolf by Night and Disney Plus being the life pulse, because that is a thinking about 2022. The special presentations was a new format for for the MCU. And I think that those those two specials were were definitely high points. 100 percent. And an interesting high point, because Jude, you and I have yet to get to talk about any of the special presentations yet. So I still haven't watched the I Am Groot. Mm. And have you seen I Am Groot, Tara? I have seen it. It's cute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, just just going off of what you said, it was like the two specials. You know, so I don't know if I Am Groot's a show or is that considered a special? Because if it's a special, you just left it off. I, oh, this is a really good question. I don't think that I Am Groot has the, uh, there's that title card, Marvel Studios special presentation that they had for Werewolf and Guardians Holiday. And if I remember correctly, I Am Groot does not have that um, because they are individual episodes. So I that's a really good question. I don't know what that's being considered, um, if that's being considered as a series. If it's being considered Shorts? a series, then they need to get some grouping going on in the <laughs> Disney Plus because it is so unorganized. On I, I really dislike that they're separate. <laughs> yes, it, it bothers me every time to look at the the chronological order, like the timeline order, and they're separated, which is it's frustrating. So you're right. I actually don't think it's a series either. I think they just consider it shorts, um, which is interesting. But again, to your point, they're experimenting with some different styles of of releasing content. So that's, um, you know, that's something to reflect on as well when we think about 
the year. And, and you guys have got me thinking now too about that weighting of the films because I, I am definitely doing that as well. And I think, I think for me, even in terms of Disney Plus series, I, I still love WandaVision, Hawkeye, and Loki over the ones from this year. But I will say for the 2022, all three of the series are, they're, they're consistent and they're doing new things. And, and that is something to be, I think, um, recognized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think Jude, you were the first to point this out at some point last year, the Disney plus, this was its first year to debut anchored new characters. Every yes. one of these Disney Plus shows were introduced and held the center spotlight. So that's that's another like stepping stone of an achievement for the Disney Plus shows this year. Oh, yeah. And again, looking at all three, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, uh, She-Hulk, they they took risks in their own ways. Whereas if you look at the previous one, really WandaVision was the only one that really took a big risk. I, th I think you could throw Loki in contention with big risks. Uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is maybe in, in the genre area mm -hmm. in terms of risk and, and the ways and the, the ways in which they tell, uh, do storytelling. Uh, cause I, I still see Loki as pretty sh linear actually, um, as opposed to like say Moon Knight, because you're jumping between two different protagonists. Miss Marvel and the visual style that that I think it dropped off a couple of times, but but kind of had pulled through. And then, <laughs> of course, the thirty minute sitcom-y um, fourth wall breaking of She Hulk, which was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that was a great overview of twenty twenty two for the MCU. And I think it's time to get a little bit more granular than that. So if you downloaded this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about the five best scenes from Marvel in 2022. We've all been tasked with coming with five. We're going to take turns and share which ones from five to one. I'm curious because listening back to our episode last year, Jude, right out the gate, you said you were going to need a redemption episode. And then on top of that, Tara, I, I was loving all over again the thought process that you put whenever it came time to uh announce your fifth pick has anything changed for either of y'all in y'all's process leading up to you selecting these five scenes i guess tara we can start with you i think it, so i had the same thought trey when i was listening back and i think that i my process in terms of thinking about the entries from the year and then identifying you know a couple of favorite entry, uh, a couple of favorite scenes from each entry remained the same. And I leaned into this year a little bit more. Like last year, I spoke a lot about kind of finding that balance of scenes that both hit in the moment and had that emotional resonance or, you know, made me laugh or made me feel something in the moment. And also something that on further reflection stood up to some kind of larger thematic resonance or some some sort of larger um, role in in the year and I think this year I kind of leaned into a little bit more like just purely those moments that brought me joy and mm -hmm. um, because because this was a year in which I think that the 
the sum total of the scenes that I am really jazzed about is just less than it was the previous year because I attached so deeply to so many of the 2021 entries that for me to focus on scenes that I just really reacted to, even if they don't necessarily feel like in the long run, they'll have some huge, larger significance to the story of the MCU. I wanted to highlight those scenes here. Yeah, for sure. That For whatever reason, this year was a lot harder for me to solidify the list than it was last year, because I talked about like getting my list and then just having to walk away and just not think about it. Whereas this one, I felt myself tinkering a lot more and it's it changed a lot leading up to this than it did before. Uh, but Jude, I had accidentally cut you off. What were you going to say in terms of this year versus last year? Uh, I, I think listening back to last year's pod, um, one of the things I found interesting, and I just I just had the note on mine. I had a lot of um, little moments, you know, uh, and and like I I think my number one was. Um, a sequence, right? It was from, you know, from black widow and it was, it was a larger sequence, but the other words, like just these little moments where the two of you had, I think more sequences than just these little moments. And, and so it, it just got me thinking, you know, like, like, is that a product of how I took those in? Or is that going to be a similar pattern of just how we, consume the content uh so that was something i was more or less just looking forward to like you know just to finding out um and i think i'm gonna be honest i'm not settled on my five um <laughs> well and, and i say that because 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 we we talked about the you know and i mentioned you know which one has priority and it's like because of our hiatus i haven't had an opportunity to really you know, an episode talk about any of the, well, I guess I didn't really talk about Dr. Strange. It was more ranting. Um, but the <laughs> other two was, you know, I haven't really got to talk about and all three were underwhelming for me. And so it's like, am I allowed to have five scenes from the Disney plus shows? <laughs> and just not, and not that I can't pick there, but it's like, if I'm going to say what's my top five. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kind of playing with that, not that I can't find anything, but I, I did, I found myself of like, well, I can't leave these out. Uh, so that's something I found interesting this year versus last year. Just to reassure you, you can just from the Disney plus, if you'd like to, if you're still solidifying your list in your head right now, uh, I think that's perfectly okay. Uh, oh, I know you're not going to, I will be shocked if you have anything from Thor, love and thunder tray. I'm going to rework my list real quick. Uh, no, um, all I was going to say is like, you talk about how, you have your immediate reaction. And then it's once we talk about it here on the pod that helps really cement what you feel having to speak it out loud. And I had a similar experience doing this last time where going into that one, it was like, okay, what were the cool moments? What do I remember? And then having done it already, what really is the North star in selecting these scenes is I find myself looking for the scene that is emblematic of the show or the movie. Like what is, what is the scene that encapsulates encapsulates why I love this so much. And I think that has carried over into my list uh, this year as well. I'm going to have to rewrite this part based off our discussion at the beginning, but three movies, three series, two special presentations in an animated short, five <laughs> scenes. We're going to go through them. We're going to start with you, Tara. 
What is your number five scene from the MCU in 2022? Okay, so this is my, you know, I, I have detailed notes as I always do when we go into one of these. And it's also what you guys were just speaking to is really resonating with me as well in terms of having had a podcast hiatus in which I have not um, really dug deeply into all of these entries this year. So so that's on my mind as well. So in the number five spot, I'm going to be totally honest, I, had t- I have two written down and I was going to just go with how I felt in the moment, both from the same show. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that this spot was going to be reserved for something from She-Hulk. And I'm in between two, but the one that I'm going to go with is She-Hulk smashes fourth walls and bad endings, because I think exactly what you just said, Trey, I think that um, this is kind of the distillation of the wacky risk-taking joy of She-Hulk. And it's such an enjoyable show. It's really rewatchable. And the other scene that I that I had, which maybe maybe one of you has it, or maybe it'll come up as a as an honorable mention or a memeable later. So I won't say exactly <laughs> what it is. But the other one did not feature, does not feature Tatiana Maslany. And I think that's the other thing, which is that I wanted to recognize just how awesome I think she is as Jen Walters. And so the scene, of course, that I'm referring to is when I think many of us sat there and thought that our Disney plus uh, what's it called? like streaming service or whatever had just reset itself and brought us back to the Marvel menu screen. And we see She-Hulk pop out and uh, enter the Marvel studios assembled and visit the writer's room. And then of course have her, her um, interaction with Kevin. Um, It's so meta. I think I remember texting you guys and saying, wow, I kind of can't believe they went that far with that bit. And oh, yeah. as as much as it's like, you know, I, I think if you think very analytically about it, um, is there an extent to which like that kind of undid some of what we were invested in over the course of that series? I think you guys may have talked about that a little bit. Um, sure. But if we're really looking at scenes and going back to my calculus of like, what are the scenes that I really reacted to in some way? I really reacted to that scene. It was funny. It was weird. It was unexpected. And um, it's also a point of no return, right? Like we have now had a moment in the MCU in which they have addressed the you know, Marvel endings are always the same. Um, they've addressed, uh, when are the X-Men coming? They've addressed like some of these like little things with that tongue in cheek. And so I think it's, it's definitely worthy in conversation for five, five moments or maybe five, maybe 15, somewhere between five and 15 moments, depending on how much overlap (laughs) we have, um, (laughs) from, from the year in, in the MCU. Yeah. You mentioned texting about that reception. I, I will remember like as soon as that happened, responding to you guys, to friend Daniel uh, in the discord, I think my brain melted, like just watching like as much as we talk about meta stuff, it was almost incomprehensible and enjoyable at the same time, which is such a wild, wild feeling. So I think that's a wonderful pick. I think there would have been a really cool moment now. And I loved it. I, I, you know, and, and I've heard some people was like, uh, they didn't wrap up these stories. I was like that was that was the point, right? She's it's her story, and she's taking it back over. But listening to to Tara talk, I was like, they missed some really cool opportunities though. Chris Evans 
being in the studio and she's like, Steve. And he's like, no, that's, that's the character I play <laughs> or like Matt. And he's like, no, 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 I'm Charlie. Like, you know, or, or, or something like um, a Ruffalo would have been really good. Actually, Bruce. And that would have been funny. Um, that show is my favorite period. Mm-hmm. Like She-Hulk. I could easily do five and just dismiss the rest. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to hear you say that because on my list, I wanted to do five from just Miss Marvel. Like it is, it's funny <laughs> how some of these shows you could just even go further <laughs> with just those. Well, I would have said that about Miss Marvel before she Hulk. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful pick. Jude, we're coming around to you. What is your number five? All right. Random generator. <laughs> uh, no, I, having said that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let a movie sneak in and instead of a moment and, and all there, it's, it's going to give me a sequence, Black Panther and Wakanda forever. The sequence where Namor takes Shuri underwater and they get to explore and I'm forgetting what it is. It, it's, it's Atlantia. Alokan. Alicante, like I kept thinking Atlantis and Atlantia, you know, but um, th- that had me wanting more like that alone was worth the big screen. Uh, I just remember being in awe of what they were able to do with that sequence. And in particular, the adaptation of the Mayan Central American culture. Because I've been to Chichen Itza, and so like a lot of the architecture immediately, you know, jumped out at me, you know, especially like with the the game with the ball, you know, and, and going through the hoop, and I was like, oh yeah, I, I saw that. Um, I also, you know, saw the pit where they do the human sacrifices. Um, uh, actually, I guess it's not a pit; it's a cenote. Uh, but like, it's that sequence was just. You know what? And, and I would say of that movie, that sequence and all the Namor stuff there was my favorite parts of that movie. Yeah, 100 percent a great pick that scene. I will never forget the conversation again that we had last year where we were kind of walking through the production troubles that Black Panther was facing. And we specifically said something to the extent that that it would be a miracle if the movie is good because of, of the uphill battle that it has to climb and seeing the moment you just picked in the theaters is like, Oh, this is a miracle. They have recreated the wonder of what visiting Wakanda was like in the first film. And here we are doing it again in Wakanda forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. That was definitely on my list of scenes from that film that I, I considered for this list. I do want to say before I forget and before we move on, we will we can make time for honorable mentions and what would have been our number six, because it sounds like TK, you had one that was just on the cuff. Uh, I know <laughs> I got one, uh, Jude, I, if you've got one, we can share it as well. Number five for me also comes from She-Hulk. Uh, episode six, Just Jen. Again, going with the thought process of what is emblematic of why I like this show so much. That opening sequence. After they had just teased Daredevil in the previous episode, they start off episode six. It's a wedding. They're getting excited about it. And Jen is like, yeah, weddings are inconvenient. Deal with it. I'm going to have fun. This is like, this is my time. This is my story. 
I, I said it specifically whenever that episode came out. It's going to be a long time before I see a scene that makes me respect a show as much as that one did. Because, dude, we've talked about it before. She-Hulk is not only a show that is aware in like a meta sense. It was aware of the future reception of what they were going to be running into because of the unfortunate way the internet is the internet. And they wore that on their sleeve. And so to have Jen smile at the camera and the lovable, lovable persona that she is deliver that line. It is one of my favorite moments from 2022. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to just throw men under the bus and say the predictability of, of, (laughs) uh, of, of, of that. Cause I, I remember watching some of She-Hulk at school with some students and I was eating it up. I loved it. And like, I don't know if they appreciated that episode <laughs> as much as I did. So. I think, you know, it was that reaction of, you know, I, that episode really stands out for me in terms of the run of She-Hulk because I happened to be out in California visiting uh, my brother and his girlfriend and when that one came out and we watched it together and their reaction, both of them was very much like, Oh, that's a filler episode. That was fun. Like, and you know, we, and I know we had talked about filler episodes in uh, one of our conversations in the past. And, um, and I think I said something that has aged really poorly, which is that they're never going to go back to 20 episode seasons. And of course, Daredevil is going to be what 18 <laughs> episodes. Um, so that aged poorly, but, um, all that aside, you know, it, it's, uh, it was interesting that that was their, their reaction. It's like that they didn't dislike it, but that it felt kind of like, okay, that was kind of like fluff. When's Daredevil coming? When's the next thing coming? Um, so I really appreciate that you've highlighted it, Trey, as like, no, no, that's why it is so great is that it totally leaned into this is the story we're telling here about this character, Jen, and um, you're going to take the time and go on a 30 minute ride to this wedding with us. And uh, they totally leaned into it and it was so fun. Yeah. Not only are you going to take the time, it's going to take the time and it's one of the best episodes. It's great. (laughs) Watching Jen just have fun and get drunk at a wedding and finally open up to what she's feeling versus what the outside expectation of everybody else had been feeling that Mm -hmm. that being at the perfect point. Like, I think that's kind of near the midpoint of the season was just wonderfully done. Yeah. Which as a quick aside, talking about poor takes in regards to daredevil. (laughs) I think I remember that conversation because I specifically said, there's no way I will ever watch another 19 plus episode season. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I think I'm going to have to eat those words come daredevil time. <laughs> All right. So those are our number five. We're coming back to UTK. What is your number four pick? All right. So my number four moment uh, or scene comes from the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. It is Drax and Mantis invading Kevin Bacon's home at Christmas time. Which Fantastic. is just a sentence itself that, like, <laughs> do we even need to say any anymore? Um, it's just some scenes speak for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you know the Guardians holiday special brought me so much joy. I-, I felt so connected to it in just that perfect balance of humor and heart, and uh, much much needed after this this year of 2022 in in the MCU. And it was a reminder of just how great the Guardians are and really kind of ramped up my excitement for Guardians 3. 
And I think this scene is there. There's a lot of scenes from it that I think I, I could have chosen. But I, I wanted to highlight this one because it is just so much fun. And every time I've rewatched it, I'm still laughing. And I think that's really telling, too, because um, there there were some scenes, some moments uh, this year in, you know, I I, I can spoil now. I, I don't have a scene from Love and Thunder. And <laughs> there were moments in Love and Thunder that made me laugh the first time. And then subsequently, I I, I didn't connect to it anymore there was there it, it, there was nothing there that i really felt like i could um hold on to that that resonated on rewatch whereas something like this is so fun and every time i'm laughing and i, I feel connected to these characters they feel like they're being true to themselves we get to see mantis like totally hopping around kevin bacon's home and looking like really scary and weird and it's cool and the music cue is great um Drax and his little funny man and uh the candy cane and just all of it like every little subtle thing in their interaction when they're on the intercom and she's like you said something weird and made him not want to talk to us or just something just like something like that just their way of being with each other it's just so much fun fast-paced action scene the humor lands and um it that's just to me I'm like oh I love the guardians and this is the MCU humor that I respond to Nice. Yeah. I'm so glad you highlighted two moments. One, man, discovering the agility of Mantis because it is a cool scene, but also now like my sleep paralysis demon, like that was haunting <laughs> in a way that I wasn't expecting to be. And then the fight and the conversation at the uh, at the speaker where you hear Drax, but uh, no, you hear Mantis and then Drax responds like, oh, well, your voice is like soft and frail or something like that. And they're <laughs> both just saying the same thing with the same intensity. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it really, again, I'm, I'm not going to try and turn this into like dunking on other scenes, but there is a definitive feeling that the Guardians have under gun specifically that I know he had some influence in infinity war and Endgame. I don't know what kind of influence he had in love and thunder, but they weren't as energetic as they felt in that holiday special. And so, yeah, I think picking that moment in particular, which I feel like is the nucleus nucleus of that special. It's a good pick. Uh, Jude, what about you? What is your number four? I am going to follow uh, Tara's lead and go with a duo here. As much as I love she Hulk, I, we got to jump in right. And, and finally get a scene from here. Uh, but the duo I'm going to go with is Madison and Wong. Um, it, man, it, that's another one where it's hard to pick. It was kind of like everything with Elena and Kate Bishop, everything with, with Wong and Madison. But I think the very end when they're sitting there watching Sopranos and he, and she spoils it for him, uh, even though it's been what, 20 years, uh, you know, or something, but like, just, just that, that interaction of how, like they become friends, <laughs> not a lot of screen time, you know, but did so much with those two characters to make them just stand out and lovable. And, you know, I could, I could rewatch that episode for them over and over. You know, you say not a lot of screen time in the grand, uh, by the time it was over, Madison only had the one episode, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah incredible that they made they left their mark in that amount of time <laughs> yeah yeah because I, I think wong showed up briefly in a couple other episodes but but yeah especially madison it was just that episode 
Yeah, I think it's a great pick. And it's funny because there is a level, at least in my decision making, it's like, okay, I really want this scene. Is this scene going to show up in somebody else's list? And I'm so glad it did because the Wongers team definitely needed some representation. That was my alternate She-Hulk scene. I was I was I was between (laughs) for for my number five slot. It was smashing the fourth wall or Madison and Wong. And uh, so I'm 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 so glad you brought it up. I think that speaks to the quality of She-Hulk that there seems to be this, at least within terms of picking specific scenes, is that you can pick so many great scenes that don't even feature Jen that it's like, oh, I want to make sure I get Jen and then also the side characters at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Pug, Mallory Book. I mean, there's. Yeah. Well, moving on to me, number four, I'm going to go with a scene This is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we have to have at some point like action like that's what the bread and butter of these superhero shows. One of my favorite action scenes from the year, Werewolf by Night, the one take hallway fight scene where after he is transformed into the werewolf and the guards are trying to take him down and the camera pans as they're all trying to escape into that room where the door is just slowly closing it is just beautiful in a mo- in a special presentation that is already beautiful with the aesthetic that it's chosen. And the thing that will always stick out to me is the way it gets more intense and creepier the further in the camera goes because the way it juxtaposes with the light casting the shadows higher on the walls. And I thought mm-hmm. that was such it was a beautiful marriage of great choreography. And this great cinematography to build one heck of a scene for uh, that Werewolf by Night special. I'm glad that you brought in a fight scene. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I, just, I am because like, um, you know, I my least favorite well-documented multiverse madness, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I know I've talked to some people who hated this scene, um, but visually... You know, when he's doing his magic thing with the musical notes, you know, visually that was great. And, um, and actually though, I think the whole opening sequence of that visually, you know, I mean, there's a lot of visual stuff that, uh, that's there and, um, but there's a uniqueness to the werewolf by night that, uh, I don't know that like it sets it apart. I'm really glad you highlighted it too, Trey, because I think the visuals are are stunning in that special. And um, I didn't have a, a, a place for a, a scene from it on my own list, but I'm I'm really glad we were able to acknowledge it here because it, it really it really is a a unique moment in the in the year 2022 for the MCU, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that might leave its mark on the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only in terms of like just the narrative, but like, again, we talked about earlier, the being the first special presentation, like it, it is a new landmark for the MCU. And, and one more final thing to add to it is that a common criticism is like, oh, the MCU does its MCU thing, big bombastic CGI fight. 
I enjoy those. I mean, that's part of, again, why we do the podcast is because I still do find those enjoyable. But at the same time, I can appreciate something like Werewolf by Night, where that feels more real because it feels like stunt work rather than just a CGI, you know, blasting back and forth kind of special powers kind of thing. So that's another one of the reasons. And I'll say this because Judy highlighted some action scenes. Pin pin this conversation for whenever we get to honorable mentions and number six, because it's it's an interesting place that I found myself in when I came to choose this spot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Tara, we're coming back to you. Number three. I think that um, Jude set me up well in his previous comments because I did select a moment from Multiverse of Madness. And Mm -hmm. I and it's not the music note battle scene, even though that is uh, I I love that scene. I really do. Um, I wanted to choose something. So, okay. Here's the thing with Multiverse of Madness. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, like overall, that was good. Here, here are a couple of, of issues that I had with it, you know. Um, then I, you know, I saw saw it again, and I was like, mm, it's, it's not, it's not really landing. It's not really resonating with me. Rewatched it then on Disney Plus a few months later, and I was like, oh, I like this more than I thought I did. And like, there are parts of it that I have found to be quite rewatchable parts of it um i i do have i share some of the the critiques that that you both have um talked about here on mc you need to know and um there are aspects to it that don't resonate that i don't particularly um want to revisit but i feel like i would be remiss in talking about the best scenes of 2022 and not talking about Elizabeth Olsen's performance as Wanda in this movie, because I think that she is fantastic and um, has been a favorite of mine in the MCU for a long time. And part of where the movie disappointed for me a little bit at first, especially was in her story in multiverse of madness, because it's not what I expected. And, and I, I do have critiques of it, but rather than focus on that at the moment, I want to focus on the scene in which the Scarlet Witch dream walks into alternate universe Wanda's home. I think that the strongest aspects of this movie, the strong aspects of this movie are (laughs) her performance. Um, The Danny Elfman score, which I know you guys were not as big of fans of, um, but, or at least I I recall Jude saying something about it. Um, But I, I'm, I'm a Danny Elfman fan. I love the, like bizarre electric guitars and um, Sam Raimi's campy horror touch. I, I, those things worked for me um, and they all come together in this scene. Uh, I appreciate that we're returning into the WandaVision world, which was a place that I wanted to be in again. And even if the story disappointed me a little bit um, to be here and the, the whole way the scene plays out with the flickering lights and Wanda's image in the, the photo frame and she like turns uh, her head, the plates are flying. Um, the moment that Scarlet Witch Wanda uh, possesses other Wanda and she looks to the camera. It, it's so, it's, <laughs> it's so campy, um, but I really, really like it. I like to watch it. Um, I like what it sounds like and what it looks like. And just, you know, thinking about some of the larger Wanda stuff from the movie, I, I really do 
get such a kick out of her performance and some of her delivery of the lines like i'm not a monster i'm a mother you know like don't (laughs) don't speak to me of sacrifice Stephen strange like like she's totally playing into it and um i i I just i don't know i i really you've exhausted my patience you know it's like wow okay elizabeth Olsen. uh so anyway um all that to say the dream walking scene i thought was very cool and, and wanted to have a chance to talk about it here Okay, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Much like in our last week episode, I'm going to let you have the floor, Jude. <laughs> you, you know what? I, I'm going to agree with you 100% that the performance by Elizabeth Olsen was fantastic. You know? Um, I mean, she's, she's, she's great. She has tremendous talent. Yes. You know, and when her director asks her to do something and she has a script to work with and she's going to do the best she can with it, um and overcome obstacles in her way. No. Uh <laughs> I'm with you. Like it's well documented. My problem with the story is it just to me it didn't make sense given where WandaVision left off. But I 100 percent agree with you of like the performance. And when I say it, you know, kind of jokingly, I mean it truly is. It was like if you forget WandaVision happened and just take that on its own. Uh, it's a fantastic performance, you know? So, so there's no, there's no doubt about that. So that's, um, and you're right. Like, man, it'd be a shame to, to not acknowledge that, you know, in, in that, in, a, in this kind of way, when you're talking about, you know, some of the best stuff, cause it, it just was, well, it's like, I, I still have, you know, what, three more to go. Um, and you've already said that you don't have anything from Thor love and thunder. Um, but that crossed my mind of like, well, the Christian bell performance was so good. Um, and, and that's the other thing of like wrestling around stuff was like, okay, that, that performance was so good. How does, does that make it? Does it not, you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. So I, I completely get where you're coming from and all that. And that was my impulse too about going with my gut on scenes that I really enjoyed seeing, listening to, engaging with, and have enjoyed on the rewatch in terms of my pure response and not in terms of thinking about what is the role of this scene in the larger MCU? Mm-hmm. Because that that's yeah. that's using that criteria is why I can have this scene on my list and wholeheartedly stand by it and be excited about it. Um, because exactly to what you're saying jude if you start to think about some of the the larger tapestry story stuff that the mcu can and usually does so well um there there's some gaps there when it comes to the storyline in that film but um Mm -hmm. but i stand by it as a standalone excellent scene yeah yeah i I mentioned christian bell i mentioned natalie portman i don't i thought her performance was good you know so so yeah yeah i like that pick a lot uh, you you talked about how Sam Raimi brings a campiness. And if you buy into that, I think that is one of the stronger Sam Raimi scenes. And I mean, the the collective, one of the best parts about watching a movie in the theater is that communal experience. And the collective, <gasps> when she looked at the camera, like that's mm-hmm. an incredible moment. And I'm so glad that you gave it representation here. Uh, I didn't get to make 
either because I talked about I got my action scene with the werewolf by night. The the other Wanda big standout Wanda moment was the Illuminati one. Mm -hmm. And I was watching between those two. And it's like, how how can she not end up somewhere here? And thankfully, you found a place for her. So I like it a lot. (laughs) Jude, what is your number three scene? From Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> um, I, you know, when the credits rolled, um, <laughs> uh, no, um, favorite scene from Multiverse of Madness. What would, uh, okay, so no, the third scene, um, God, this is where it gets so difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, with three left and, and it's true. I could fill up all five of these with She-Hulk, but I'm going to say the the scene where Stephen Grant goes overboard, um, and the I mean, a the whole sequence I I loved, but when Stephen Grant goes overboard and Spectre goes after him, and you, and you kind of have that 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 accepting of each other you know and 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 just as much as grant was there to protect specter and it is it's weird because it's a you know a, a disorder where like grant shouldn't be there that's kind of a problem but it but it it, it was is a good way to visually represent that acceptance of the past and himself completely to keep that character rather than let it to let it go, you know, whereas in like clinical terms, it'd be like, Oh, you know, so, so that scene there, uh, cause it was just a good way to visually represent that Oscar Isaac doing both roles was just phenomenal, you know, and added to it of like the story and that element of like, he's off the boat what happened next? Like, how does he get out of this? And, and so, so it has all of that wrapped in that scene. Yeah, that's a really good pick. I, the thing that always stands out to me in that scene, and you're talking about it in terms of them accepting each other is the way that they're able to demonstrate the strengths of individual ones. You have Mark who is the brawler who's handling himself. And then, um, Grant comes in, and he he's like, oh, I'm more of a cricket fan. And he's got like a bat that he's swinging around like you see those strengths of each other finally working in tandem. And it's it's just good visual storytelling. So I like it. Agreed. So that actually that tees up nicely with me because my number three is also from Moon Knight, which is the fourth episode the tomb after Mark gets shot and that show just drops the biggest W2F moment of all where we are now questioning what the hell we just watched as it (laughs) one takes us through the asylum and we meet almost everybody that we have met in the episodes prior who are either in the, the asylum with Mark are people who are helping them, you know, the uh, 
the nurses and the 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 guards are are represented there as well. The drawings, the little tidbits, the snacks, everything was represented and it left you questioning. And so this one was really the one where it's like, okay, yes, my North star is what is the scene that is emblematic of the show? And I think that one right there was the puzzle box that moon Knight is in one continuous scene. So that, uh, that would be my number three. I, I think that's a good choice in terms of the di- the distillation of what makes Moon Knight special, and I have I have one that I'll mention as an honorable mention um, later. But I I considered that as well because uh, that was really that was really the moment that watching Moon Knight you go, huh? Where is this going? You know, um, and uh, as we spoke about before, like the Disney Plus shows being so mm-hmm. risk taking this year, I, I, I think if we're going to talk about that element of it, that's it's, it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if we if we look back at Moon Knight, for me, there is sequences of that show that work strongly together. And then by the time we get to get to the end, it's kind of does the MCU thing of like, okay, maybe that wasn't a good landing, but the asylum section and the like action adventure section in Egypt are two halves of a really good thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that one take through the asylum was just the, the crowning moment of that show for me. Uh. Uh, no, all I was going to say is it is that they did such a, just build off what Terry said, they did such a good job of, you get to a point where you feel like you know where it's going on. And then they pull the rug out from under you with that. Yep. All right. That's going to do it for our number threes. Tara, we're coming back to you. What is your number two pick? All right. So my number two moment comes from Miss Marvel episode one, Generation Y. And it was tough to pinpoint one moment from Miss Marvel because it's such a consistent show, uh, such a consistently good show. Uh, this was my favorite episode, and there's a lot of scenes from this episode as well that I feel like really capture so much of what um, what that series is about. But I went with the introduction to Kamala Khan, the very first scene that kicks off the episode. It sets the tone for the character and for the series visually and, um, you know, establishes her connection to Captain Marvel as the hero that she looks up to. And what I'm so interested in, too, is this this the way that it's playing with and commenting on the concepts of storytelling and legacy within the MCU. We're hearing her retell the battle for Earth and talking about Thanos and his stones or, you know, um, whatever she, whichever she mentions, she mentions Scott Lang's podcasts. And uh, it, it's this reminder that we've reached a meta point of no return post Endgame where our characters in universe are dealing with the fallout from Endgame as well. Um, in that scene, she mentions Avengers Con, which is, uh, you know, comes up later in the episode and is also really wonderful. Um, so just this idea of, of kind of setting this tone for what does it look like to focus our story on a hero who herself is part of the fandom of the MCU in that kind of like meta way. And um, it's such a strong introduction to the character's uh, voice in in terms of who who she is and who she's going to be in the series and um even after a really great 
run of episodes that is consistently strong, it, it's really that introduction scene that stands out to me as being the most memorable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that you bring up that visual style and that mm-hmm. introduction, because that's the thing that really stood out for me. Yeah, not only of the style and setting the tone, but it it evolves the style. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it sets the expectation of like, okay, here's this video that she's created. Oh no, this is how she visually thinks as well. And mm-hmm. so it just like, it's such a wonderful scene as a pick and a good distillation of the show itself. It's yeah. I, I love Miss Marvel. <laughs> it's such a great show. And, and I've talked about it before. Like the thing, when you boil it down, superheroes are the inspiration for kids, right? Like that's what they look up to. That's what they glean to. The thing that makes the MCU special is that there still is narrative thematic resonance that you can dig into if you really look at it. But to have the show, as you said, Tara, reach a point where we are now seeing the in-universe kids deal with that inspiration and how they move forward with it is something really remarkable that this franchise has gotten to this point that it can do that. So what a wonderful way to demonstrate that in the, in the show. Mm -hmm. Jude. I'm going to follow in Tara's footsteps Uh and go with the Miss Marvel. Okay. This scene is not it, but I kept trying to find a way to make it work. Um, So I'm going to say it. So I guess it's, I'm going to sneak an honorable mention in when she walks in the house and is doing the singing and the dance and, (laughs) you know, which it's right out of adventures of babysitting with Elizabeth shoe. It's like not the exact same song, but it's the same feel, the similar movement breaks out of that fantasy, you know, to answer your parents. Like that's when I like, I'll go to YouTube and watch it over and over again. And I've put up the, the intro to, you know, adventures of babysitting and that side by side and watch them together. As much as I love that, I have to go with the end where, she gets the name Miss Marvel and has that talk with her dad because so much of that show. Uh, and I talked about it in, in our, in our episodes where the visually seeing, as Trey just said, it, it, that's how she thinks. And that's how her in her head and kind of like that elaborate scattered. I'm telling you the plan. And they're like, Oh, so basically we're just going to do this <laughs> and they boil it down. And like so much of how much, how that's how I feel sometimes. I'm just all over the place and you're like, Oh, so anyways, uh, like just then. Um, and, and, and I thought they did such a good job in the show of making the parents seem unreasonable when from a parent perspective, they were quite reasonable, you know, but from the kid's perspective, no, they weren't reasonable and, and, and having in, in showing and showing that perspective very well. Um, and so to end on that and that heart to heart of, of understanding each other was just wonderful. Yeah. That's a wonderful pick. I, I could gush about Miss Marvel for days and it, it's it's nice to hear you articulate what makes that scene so special because I I don't think I could say it better than than that. Nick Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's going to leave me with my number 2 pick. And 
I'm going. This is one I wish was on Disney Plus so that I could get the specifics down for sure. But looking back on it, this is the moment that really stood out to me. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So much of that movie is Shuri wrestling with the legacy of the Black Panther, not wanting it, still dealing with her own emotions of the passing. And going into that movie, we we talked about it. It's it had all these uphill battles to climb. Number one being the unfortunate passing of Bozeman. And I had all these expectations of like, okay, yeah, it's probably going to be Shuri. But the thing I never anticipated, and it was just so obvious in hindsight for me, is that anger would be at the forefront of of where Shuri's at. And so to spend the entirety of the movie having her doubt that she should be the next Black Panther, finally achieving it, and then meeting Killmonger in the ancestral plane, that sent shivers down my spine because it it was a character who was already wrestling and then meeting the devil on her shoulder who pushes her towards her decisions in the end of the movie is such a bold place to go. And I don't think the movie quite lands it in terms of like, okay, we're wrapping this one up. But I think moving forward where they're at with Shuri and what she's dealing with these newfound powers of, of the Black Panther I think that you can trace the good momentum of whatever they do next with her to that scene with Eric Killmonger. So that's uh that's my number two. That's a really good pick. I had a similar feeling of like that expectations and then there's Killmonger. And I love the way you articulated that as well, Trey. I mean, that scene is totally a standout scene and I think you really um, nailed why it hits so hard. Like I said, I, you know, it's so funny. I say I wish it was on Disney Plus. By the time this episode comes out, it will be on Disney Plus. But uh, until then, I'm having to go off memory. So we're down to number one. Tara, we're coming back to you. What is your number one scene from the 2022 MCU year? So that is a perfect transition because I knew that my number one scene was going to come from uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, by far my favorite film from 2022 and you know right right up there in terms of my favorite films of all of phase four um i i might might be my favorite film of phase four um but as you just mentioned it, it's not available for rewatch at home just yet so so time will tell um there are are so many scenes, including the ones that you both already spoke to, that really stand out from the film. But I, I think, you know, going back to that criteria I set up of like what hits in the moment, and I've I've focused on a number of scenes that hit in the moment because of humor or because of this like delight that I got out of the campy horror or whatever it was. Um, but I'm going to go with the scene that really hit in the moment in terms of that emotional resonance for 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 um for me and i think for so many people which is the the opening sequence to the film um we are really just kind of like thrown into it and and watching how frantic shuri is as she's working on uh the the synthetic 
heart-shaped herb to try to save her brother. And it, it's such a powerful way to open the film. It kind of immediately answers the questions that were on audiences' minds of how they're going to present T'Challa, the character's death in universe. And um, especially the way that it goes from that really quick, frantic pacing to slowing down the moment that, you know, she looks at Queen Ramonda and, and that realization hits that that her her brother is gone. Um, and that's followed up by the funeral scene, which is both kind of perfectly uh, somber and a, a joyful celebration of uh, the character's life. And we know, too, a celebration of Chadwick Boseman um, and, and reminding us, too, that the culture, the, the, the film's culture is one in which death is not the end. And so you're watching Shuri's face through through that that sequence. And, um, you know, after after seeing it the first time, then you know what's in store for her, um, like as you spoke to Trey and like her journey and becoming the Black Panther. And so I, I think it's just really beautifully done. It sets the tone for the film and um, really, really hits hard. And even though it's not available for streaming yet, and I'm just going off of having seen it in the theater a couple times, I, I went twice, um, but it, it really like, it, it leaves a mark. Like it's, it's there um, in my brain. Um, so, so I had to pick that as as the number one scene, just in terms of of how it hit. Yeah, that an incredible pick. Uh, it, it's a scene where going into Wakanda Forever, you know it's going to be a heavy movie, mm-hmm. and right out the gate. I mean, even before the Marvel Studios fanfare, like I was crying at the beginning. Like it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this. Because I think I talked about it before, but it really hits you. This isn't just obviously a narrative. These are the actors themselves wrestling with it. And that is a marriage of of the story and the the actors themselves working through. And you can see it on Letitia Wright's face in that opening sequence. Good pick. Mm-hmm. So Jude. Yeah. What would be your number one of 2022. Well, I think it's obvious it's going to be She-Hulk because even going back and and listening to some other things of like, what was the most anticipated, you know, and I mentioned, um, of 2022 or, or of all this stuff, it was She-Hulk and Tatiana Maslany, you know, um, shout out Orphan Black, go watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, Trey, um, but, uh, You know, well, actually, and I even told a buddy of mine uh, at work today. I was like, "That's, I don't think it's free streaming anywhere. I mean, I guess if you have a VPN, but it's still worth buying the digital. You know, on Amazon mm-hmm. Plus." Um, okay, so I was torn between two things, and 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 mainly, I think that both of these scenes, um, get across why they're my favorite and why I like them. Um, and so the one that lost out is the opening to the episode of the retreat where she's, you know, just met this wonderful guy at the wedding and they're, they're going on dates and it has, well, one of your favorite groups, um, Heim, is that right? Yes. And you know, that song and it's so perfect and you're, and you're just seeing that and it's like, 
And that sequence would have to be my favorite if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, he was a bad guy. Um, Through Josh. Yeah. Uh, and so what wins out actually is in the bar where she meets Matt Murdock. Yeah. Um, and the two of them, you know, and, and for, cause for me, both of those scenes, what, what I loved about this show, I mean, it's she Hulk, but you know, some episodes is just Jen and they mess with the title card of, of the show. And, and the show is truly, you know, well, I mean, you use the Hulk for a second, right? You got Bruce Banner, the Hulk and smart Hulk. Here you have no, it's one. It's one persona, you know, and 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 visually, that's She Hulk, but it's still Jennifer Walters. Both of those scenes, I think, really gets that across. That it's like, no, we're watching Jennifer Walters' show, and if we really wanted to name it properly, it should be, you know, something with, about Jen Walters and She Hulk is is. I don't say a side character, but you know, a part of it, but not, you know, and again, it's hard to, it's hard to explain because it's the same person. Um, and so, and that's what I liked about those two. Cause Tatiana Mislani was just like, truly like, Oh, I'm watching Jen Walters. I had no, it was so good. You had no illusion of like, like, uh, you're acting there. It's like, it just looks so normal and so natural. Um, and so, so that sequence, uh, and then plus Charlie Cox, it's just fantastic. And the way he played that scene too. So. Yeah. I, I think by the end of that series, I talked about it with Leach that that is speaking of the chemistry between Charlie Cox and Tatiana Maslany, that is a performance that, you know, altered plans. Like they were mm-hmm. so good together they're going to have to continue it. So I think, yeah, that is an excellent pick for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you highlighted that conversation they have in the bar because it's, it's, it's dynamic. Their chemistry is so strong. And also it's, it's that really great moment of connection for her character to meet someone else who is able to, you know, is similar to her in a way, although she doesn't fully, fully know just yet. But also, like he, he's able to share that experience that he's had and the perspective that he has. And I, I love the conversation that he brings up around the like one for them, one for us kind of thing. And um, I, I really think that his uh, his words in that scene kind of have an impact on her and her journey in really embracing She Hulk and Jen Walters as all of her. Um, so that's a great scene. Mm-hmm. No, great pick. I'm I'm gonna go watch that episode before I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's only just make sure minutes. you Why do just your learn? your homework first, though. Jude. <laughs> yes, yes, I will. I will get. It, it's so it's so funny. Like today, um, Wednesdays our, our bail schedule is so weird. But Wednesdays, you know, each class meets for thirty minutes, and everyone told my students I was just like we're early enough in the semester that I was like, we're going to, you're going to watch this video. Um, and I'm going to do my homework. <laughs> they kind of looked at me and I was like, I was like, yes, I have homework. <laughs> I got to read. That's it. One, one for us, one for them. 
Well, and it and it and it wasn't like just a random video. It had to do with the class, of um, course, of course. You know. Um, oh, here I was thinking thirty minutes. It was She Hulk episode. <laughs> no, but I will say, um, having to sub for the freshman study hall for thirty minutes, and literally, it's like forty-two freshmen and. It's study hall. It's like there's to be quiet and study. I'm like, why am I having to do this? <laughs> um, and so today I just decided, and I told the guys, is like, we're going to watch Avatar The Last Airbender. That's what we're doing this semester, every <laughs> Wednesday. Um, so yeah. Awesome. And sure enough, like 42 freshmen just silent, <laughs> staring at the screen. It was great. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, and I did ask the freshman counselor ahead of time. I had it cleared. It was okay. I didn't go rogue. <laughs> I was going to say you had your secret Avengers watch parties during lunch hour. So you you know how to get it done over there when it comes to the extracurricular watching. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We're down to me and my number one pick from 2022. And. I said, Jude, there was no better way to put it, but I'm going to have to try because we have our first overlap scene where mine comes from Miss Marvel, that scene on the rooftop with Kamala and Yusuf. I've talked about it before. The thing that I love so much about Miss Marvel, and it, it couldn't have been better placed in the real world context of when it came out for the MCU, but coming from Moon Knight, which was heavy. Coming into Multiverse of Madness, even if my reception was middling, it was still kind of like a heavy and dark show. And then comes Miss Marvel, where it's like, oh, superheroes have levity. They have inspiration. They have a community aspect to it. I mean, again, I talked about it last year with Shang-Chi, about the inspiration, that commonality with Captain America and the inspiration he has for others. Miss Marvel highlighted the impact that her family, her immediate family had and the community around her all within that show. And so when I look to my North star about like, what is the scene that is emblematic of all of that? It is that conversation on the rooftop because you have her kind of just gazing off in the distance. Her father comes in to speak with her and he's like, and we have the new superhero. What do you know? What do you call yourself? And she goes, I'm still just figuring that out, mm. which is the first time that she's able to articulate that she's not sure. And that's OK, because when we started this series, her first reaction was like, oh, you don't understand. Just leave me alone. And so to come to that moment where she can engage in a healthy conversation with her dad is beautiful. And he admits he, too, is also still figuring it out, which leads into him giving a wonderful speech. We get scenes of everybody, all the side characters and their kind of wrap up moment all to to the point where we get the revelation that Kamala Kamal means Marvel. It's a full circle of her inspiration of why she wants to do this Miss Marvel. And it's the perfect Amon Vellani Kamala Khan reaction. I share a name with freaking Carol Danvers, <laughs> even being the kid. <laughs> she still kind of misses the point, but it doesn't matter because she still she still has completed her character arc. She's going on to be the superhero and the just perfect moment of all of this is she goes off into the distance. You see the glow of her stepping on the light mm -hmm. and the scene stays with her father and he's in awe of his child. 
And it's like, I not only of what it does within the show of storytelling, the fact that the MCU was able to pull it off narratively from episode one to episode six. This is a complete story. Miss Marvel is up there in my favorite of phase four of all the MCU. And that scene right there was just perfect for me and my number one. I loved it. <laughs> that was a really, really beautiful retelling of it too, Trey. Thank you. So our first overlap, I, uh, I got nervous because we, we try and hold on to your whenever we have a scene, if it comes in later, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to reveal it yet. But I'm so used to always kind of like plus one whatever you said. So I didn't know what to say. <laughs> but, um, so we did it. We've uh, we've gotten through our top five scenes. And uh, I'm very curious, what were what were some number sixes and honorable mentions? So. I, I mentioned that my alternate for She-Hulk, so I, I my at the number five, I had a scene from She-Hulk and that my alternate was going to be Madison and Juan meeting for this first time, specifically when she comes through the portal. And he's like, where do you come from? And she's like, well, I was born in Fort Lauderdale. And then like she like just does like the total Madison thing, <laughs> um, which is just so great. Um, and, and like spoils the, the Sopranos. And then he's just like, Donnie Blaze is going to pay for this. It's it's so great. It's like, it's like that She-Hulk like, fun funny monster of the week kind of template that uh it, it did such a good job with in some of those episodes and so that that was my my alternate um for for she hulk there um and my alternate for um uh multiverse of madness would have been the music note fight mm-hmm. so i'll go ahead and jump in here because i'd said let's put a pin in the conversation of my action sequence mm. And I talked about how my my top five was just fluctuating so much. The music sequence actually from memory was in the top five. It had the uh, werewolf by night spot. And so I was like, mm-hmm. let me I, as I did last year, I went through and rewatched it. And it's a cool scene. I still love it. But it came crashing down when it was like, oh, yeah, I remember the reason why they're fighting is because they get to they're fighting over who gets to keep Christine. And that just like oh. deflated the whole scene mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, maybe not. And what became my number six, and I'm not, I'm kidding, right? Like Tara, as you were signing in, I had just changed it. My number five was the black and white scene from Thor Love and Thunder. It almost made it. (laughs) I, you know, and and Jude was talking earlier about the Christian Bale performance and like, is there a spot for that here? But um, yeah, that I was thinking that through too. I was like, if I'm choosing something, something from Love and Thunder, what would it be? And that the black and white absolutely stands out as the coolest part of that, that film for me too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thor Love and Thunder. Well, it's interesting. My, my reaction to Thor Love and Thunder is Trey's reaction to Multiverse of Madness. And my reaction to Multiverse of Madness is his reaction to Thor, Love, and Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, that third act was so good, and Christian Bale was so good. Um, I've mentioned some honor- plenty of honorable mentions and found ways to sneak them in um, throughout <laughs> this episode. Uh, but I'm going to throw one last one. It is Nikki Ramos and pug mm. uh doing their clandestine thing at the end of the episode of, of he's talking in his ear and he's trying to pretend 
you know, to be, to be like the guys there. Um, you know, that, that's the other thing. There's so many characters in She-Hulk that just on their own were fantastic characters. Mal- mm-hmm. Those two, Mallory Book, um, that it's like, you can just watch more of them and it'd be great. Yeah. That, I found it hard with She-Hulk to find the one because like you said, there's so many great character moments, but it, they're all not separated, but they're like disparate. And so that's why I struggled with She-Hulk that much. But yeah, like I, I, I wish I could have found a spot for Nikki and Pug because they they really were among the standouts of all the standouts in She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you guys both spoke to scenes from Moon Knight because I didn't have a Moon Knight scene in my top five. But if I were to highlight one, um, it would come from episode five, specifically when they, uh, Stephen and Mark, enter the room where you know S- Stephen learns that these are all people who who Mark has killed, um, and then that kind of kicks off the sequence of Stephen kind of visiting Mark's memories. So. Um, really, you know, powerful stuff. And, and that was such a, a great episode of that show as well. Um, so I, I remember at the time kind of like with episodes four and five of Moon Knight thinking to myself, like, depending on how the, the, the landing went, like that could have been some of my most favorite stuff. Um, and then so, some of how it played out kind of just like brought it down in my estimation a little bit, but still, um, those, those moments do, do stand out. Yeah, the kaiju fight goes so far, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to Moon Knight. <laughs> uh-huh. But I, I did want to mention on the topic of Moon Knight, an honorable mention. It, it was almost similar to your scene, Jude, with the the reconciliation of, of Steven and Mark. I had on my top five before it ultimately got bumped, the scene where Mark visits his mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. And we see mm-hmm. the moment where yeah. Steven takes control for the first time. And I, I rewatched it. And the reason it got bumped Again, it's it's kind of similar to She-Hulk where like, yes, it's a great scene, but it didn't quite fit the mark of like, oh, this is emblematic because as powerful as it is, you're still missing the key context of the unfortunate um, passing of his brother, the the um, the moment that Stephen was born in the room where the mother's banging on the wall. So it didn't quite capture all of it together, but it was a powerful, powerful performance on Oscar Isaac's part because you see him switching on the fly between Steven and Mark. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it at least deserves an honorable mention in that regard. Yeah. Well, and and we've talked about a number of different things with just like performances. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought Ethan Hawke's performance in Moon Knight was so good. Uh, well, I, I remember the, the opening scene, um, you know, and he's putting the glass in his shoes and just walking away. And that alone, I was just like, Oh God, what are we in for? Um, you know, and so, so there were, there was a lot of things, um, that, like you said, was moon Knight, but it just didn't, I mean, outside of that one thing, uh, for me in the top five, it, it was hard to find a place for other, for other stuff to, to go in there, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll be honest, the multiverse of madness, the only thing that, that I could, even conceive of putting in it it's similar to to last year's where it was uh my oldest and i 
you know, this was their first listening. You're y'all are going to see it, but listening, um, people aren't going to see the air quotes around horror movie, (laughs) but this was their first horror movie in the theater. And that moment where, you know, it's that jump scare where you you know, what's going to happen and you expect it from here and it doesn't happen from here. And Wanda pops up, um, and, and their reaction in the theater, just, (gasps) you know, and, and, (laughs) and, and that was such a cool moment to share with them. And, and similar you know, last year I had a, a moment um, from Eternals, you know, that it was a moment shared with um, my oldest uh, and, you know, from the movie. But I think the biggest difference is in that, in the Eternals, that moment meant something for the movie and, and had an impact in the way that just, this was a jump scare. Um, and, and so like, whether it was sentimental feelings for that um the scene itself didn't warrant a top a top five mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. well any more honorable mentions before moving on to our memeable scenes all right i'm curious this one took a little bit longer for me to find a memeable scene than it did last year but i'll go first I don't know if this one quite had the the same usage as any of the ones from last year, but it cracked me up every time I saw it online is where somebody would use the line fortify your mind where Wong is like holding off the Wanda attack. That is so funny to me, specifically because if you watch the GIF, the there's an actor um, uh, who steps in front of benedict wong and you see him kind of like sidestep to get back into the scene <laughs> so it just adds another layer of humor for me every time i see it good tara let, let you oh man um i have a memeable scene but it's not where you think <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much anything uh from madison i feel like works as a a, re- a reaction gif or or a meme in some way if i'm using that term correctly daniel help me out um but <laughs> um i also i also like first it was fun then it was scary then fun again then spooky but in a fun way uh, uh coming from madison so um yeah she's she's our our meme queen for for 2022 mm-hmm. man why did i think it was hard of course it was madison <laughs> right yeah. it was madison all along <laughs> <laughs> does she join coven of chaos <laughs> oh gosh she i'd watch to. that that'd be great i mean she did get entangled with the devil goat okay. i could see so- it potentially happening Somewhat serious question. Yes. People have debated whether or not like Wong should be the Coulson, right? That like the thread that kind of, should it be Madison that shows up and all these other things and be that thread that connects them all? Um, I think so. Uh, uh, so, okay. Two memeable things, uh, both She-Hulk. Um First one I'm going to go with is Jen Walters talking to Kevin and mm-hmm. she asks about, and I'm just thinking of like, again, for me, a gif. And she asks about 
um, when are we going to see the X-Men? And then she turns and looks at the camera and gives that thumbs up. Yeah. And so just to have a gif of that looking, you know, uh, that's something I would just love to have to be able to just send off to somebody. Um, then the walk of shame of daredevil. Yes. <laughs> a gif of that, especially because, um, th- there was, there was a uniqueness to that, that I really appreciated because it's, you know, the walk of shame, um, which is so, never mind. It's so weird. <laughs> Anyways. Um, he was whistling a tune. I don't think he was right? too shameful. Like, <laughs> like, I know. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's just, I don't know. It, to see him just so casually, like, in the daylight, you know, and he's daredevil and just, yeah. Barefoot. Right. <laughs> yep. So I have one more. And I wanted to bring it up when you were talking about uh, Elizabeth Olsen earlier, but I think this fits right in with just how much she was chewing the dialogue. <laughs> the you break the rules, you're the hero. I do it and I'm the villain. That doesn't seem <laughs> fair. That mm-hmm. has an- been another one where I just see that pop up all the time online. <laughs> totally, totally. That doesn't seem fair. So, so good. <laughs> so good. The other thing that I feel like could be could be memeable in some way is the dioramas from the guardians holiday special, like how they, they received the dioramas of like the, the scenes from the episode. And then like, um, Oh my God, why am I blanking on the same Craglins is just like him receiving the diorama. Um, there's something like really kind of like funny, like, uh, about that too. Mm -hmm. I I must mention the song. Mm. would should be an honorable mention for me as well. Mm hmm. The the one that kicks off the special? Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then you can just insert She-Hulk twerking to the Christmas time song. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's uh Oh, that was the other one I wanted to put. Uh Later's Gators. I feel like there was a brief moment oh, in time yeah. where yeah. everybody was signing off with Later's Gators. Yeah. <laughs> well, Again, the, the the greatness of She-Hulk. There was little things in She-Hulk that were nods to Orphan Black, to the way they frame things up. Mm. Uh, well, that opening scene that I said that just missed it, you know, and, and she's sleeping in bed. And I think there's a shot similar to Cosima, Cosima, uh, you know, there. And... I think it was Cosima again, where the, where there was a video they found, remember with the mom of our twerking. And that is a, a nod to, um, to orphan black as well. And so, yeah, it's, it's like the dance scene from orphan black, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually had friend Daniel explain that one to me. Cause I didn't quite get the reference. And so he, uh, I think we had done an episode not that long after we were on conversation and, uh, he explained it to me and it's, mm-hmm. It's cool how much of that popped up throughout yeah. the series. Oh no, I'm a, I'm in an orphan black Facebook group. We we found them <laughs> all. Oh man. Well, that seems to be wrapping up our retrospective review of 2022. Uh, before we put a final pin in this, uh, Tara, what do you think of the 2023 projects? Are you most excited for? 
I think at the moment I have to say Guardians Volume Three because um, both the the revival of of energy and excitement that I had for the Guardians after the holiday special and that special being so good and the trailer just really uh, it, it feels so promising. I'm excited to enter that world again and kind of see the the conclusions uh, the conclusion to the Guardians story in the MCU um, under under James Gunn. And I think that it's going to be emotional. I think, I think it's going to have a, a, that balance of, of humor and also some, some real emotional resonance. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And because it's coming up soonish and we have the trailer for it, it it's really, um, it's on my, it's on my mind more than, more than uh, some of the other upcoming things. Awesome. Well, I very much look forward to getting to do this again next year with you, and we can follow up <laughs> on how The Guardians Volume 3 panned out. And we'll uh, see how again, well or not this aged. <laughs> and, and like I said, again, thank you so much for joining. It's so much fun. I'm glad that we're getting to continue this, hopefully year to year, because uh, yeah. it's a blast. Oh, yeah. And of course, if you want to keep up with Tara and the things that she's doing, make sure that you're following them on Twitter and Instagram an idea underscore podcast. And you have a wonderful link tree as well that we'll make sure to link in the show notes so you can catch up with their podcast as well. Uh, is there anything else uh, people can keep up with you at? Uh, no, uh, there was an idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast and uh, has been on a bit of a hiatus, but uh, most recent episode was with uh, Danny, who's been a guest on my show a number of times. And we did talk about the Guardians holiday special. And so um yeah stay stay tuned and uh hopefully have some other fun stuff coming up soon yeah as far as this show goes you can follow us at mc you need to know both on twitter and instagram but really the best place to keep up with us is in the discord of course you can find a link for that in the show notes we have show discussions watch alongs community nights if you want a good group of people to get entangled with make sure you join that discord and uh, get to know us I like the word choice entangled there coming up. With the, you know, <laughs> Once you're in, you never saga. leave. <laughs> um, while you're, you know, working through this simulation of entanglement, um, <laughs> take the time to, you know, leave your permanent mark in the simulation. That is a rating and review on Apple podcasts, Spotify. It helps the podcast grow and more active approach, I think might be sharing with a friend. So let's cast that net wider in that, in that way. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Tara and Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Trey and Jude. We'll see you all next week. Well, uh... Does anybody have any questions outline wise, anything to address before jumping in? I don't think so. I don't think I have any questions. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty much exactly what we did last year, which I had forgotten because I had I just brought up the outline whenever I sent it to y'all that uh, the memeable uh, <laughs> scene was your suggestion, which is that I, I'm, I'm hoping that's OK that we keep continuing that tradition with this. Yeah, well, it was funny listening back to last year's episode. I was like, I guess I suggested this and also have no idea what a meme really is. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's so funny about listening back to that is the exterior conversations that become part of a memory, but weren't actually <laughs> in the podcast. Because yes. I remember I was like, wait a minute, somebody's supposed to bring up that like gifts are memes. And then I remembered that was friend Daniel, like yelling in our DMs. He's like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> gifts are memes. <laughs> but of course that didn't make it until after. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I guess, I guess they are. I guess I'm glad that We've established that before tonight's episode. Gifts are memes. Mm. I'll re I'll remember that. <laughs> <Gifts are memes. 